Well, hey everyone, my name is Lena Abujamra and I am your host. I want to welcome you to the Living with Power Hope podcast. Uh, we are starting a new season. We've had a couple episodes already and now are going to have an awesome conversation with a dear friend of mine who I can't wait for you to meet. Uh, he is a pastor from Oklahoma. And if you know me, you know that I have a, a lot of roots and ties in Oklahoma. So it is exciting to have Steve Burke here, which I, I should ask. Everybody's always stumbling over the pronunciation of my last name. And this time I'm wondering whether I said it right. But uh, You did I, say it right. It's perfect. Good, good. Well, listen, Steve and I met through, uh, I think you ran across me through the internet, which is pretty interesting because you're, you've made a career on the internet in a sense in your ministry. And I want to just tell the listeners a little bit before I bring you in and sort of have you tell us more about it. But you have a page called Where Was God that has 730,000 followers now on Facebook, which is pretty incredible. Uh, tons of Facebook lives, tons of engagement with the people who follow you and you've had other pages too and you're now doing a lot of work with um globally uh, with people in countries that might be even dangerous to be a christian and all this to say god is using you immensely but um the reason i have steven on the show today uh, is that he has had a very difficult road for the past 12 years he and his wife christy have been married for 27 years and uh, back in 2007 christy was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and has had a very difficult course. In fact, she's bedridden now. He's going to tell us a little bit more about it. But I have watched from close and from afar um, Steve and Christy model what marriage looks like uh, in sickness and in health. And uh, I want him to talk to us about it, what it feels like to uh, land with a diagnosis that is with you for life when God doesn't give you the healing that you pray for. How do you continue to glorify God and to build a marriage, not just a marriage, but a family, their kids, etc. So I think many of you who are dealing with chronic illness and with surprises and disappointments in your life, I think you'll be blessed by this podcast. So without further talking from my part, let me introduce Steve uh, to you guys. Hey, Steve. Hey, I'm so honored to be on here, Lena. So I love your ministry so much. Well, listen, I uh, I want to kind of talk about a number of different things with you today, but let, let's tell people a little bit about yourself first. You're from Oklahoma or did you just land there? Yeah, we've been here. Um, uh, Christy and I are both 44 years old and we were born here. We we Neither of us have ever lived outside of central Oklahoma. So we, How about I, it? Yeah, I pastor a church in the same town I grew up in. And and so, yeah, we're a long time oh. And so how did you, like being a pastor is sort of a unique calling. How did you stumble upon that? Yeah, so Christy and I, we're, we were, uh, we both grew up in and out of church, um, you know, relatively dysfunctional homes, both of us. And uh, so uh, she, she got pregnant while we were in high school. We got married in high school. Uh, we, were, we were 17 years old when we got married. I uh, had a baby when we were in high school still. Wow. Uh, yeah, I don't recommend that, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have kids now. My youngest is 17. I'm like, that was a bad plan, bro. Don't do that. <laughs> right. But so you had all your kids boom right away, right? Like, do you yeah. have all of them young or you waited a while? Yeah, um, no, we, we had them. Uh, we, we started making babies when we were 17 and we just kept at it. So, um, how we, many kids do you have now? We have five kids now. They, they range from 26 down to 17. So, two grandkids. So, I'm, wow, I'm, you're like the youngest grandparents ever alive, almost. I mean, that's pretty incredible. I know, I know. Well, that's cool, though. You get to sort of live life together. And in your case, it's sort of a blessing because you didn't see when you married what Christy would be up against right, later. Right. 
life. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You never plan on things like that. So, but so uh, you um, settled right away. Like your plan was to stay home or had you big dreams to go save the world? Yeah. So do you mean like after we got married or? Yeah. 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 So honestly, I came into ministry a little bit uh, accidentally. We, you know, we both uh, had made professions of faith when we were very young and, but we weren't living for the Lord through our teen years. We were both interested in the things of God, but we didn't really have much development or discipleship. So before we got married, we both renewed our commitments to Christ and we decided, you know, if we're going to if we're going to do this and make this life change, let's, uh, um, you know, let's do it right. And so we started seeking out people to develop us. And mm-hmm. we, uh, we ended up uh, finding what was then, of course, back then we didn't call them church plants. We just called it, you know, a guy who's starting a church somewhere. But uh, but we found a, a church that was starting and we uh, it was about 30 minutes west of where we lived. And so we went out there and started volunteering and uh I developed a relationship. I was looking for a father figure, uh, someone to sort of teach me how to be a man and how to grow in Christ. And the pastor served that role for me. Um, and and so I uh, we started volunteering. And uh, we never, I, I never made a conscious decision. Oh, I want to be a pastor. It just sort of slowly evolved into that. And so, yeah. we, you know, we were we would volunteer. They had a need for someone to serve in kids, and we and we said yes, sign us up. And then they. And then we started reaching some teenagers at the church and we volunteered there. And then we started uh, discipling young couples. And uh, over time, I looked up and I, you know, I was basically an associate pastor. And <laughs> so, yeah, early ministry. And it all sounds so like sort of uneventful, idyllic, like you didn't really have any big problems. Like when was the first time in your marital life where you guys were like, like, wow, like we're up. Like, I know you guys had that v- video. I want you to talk about Where Was God, the movie that was made in your area in Oklahoma. And was that the first tragedy? Talk to us about that. Or was there other things that happened early on where, you know, it almost sounds too, you know, Little House on the Prairie almost like. Yeah. So actually, um, we had, uh, when I was 19 and I was serving as a youth pastor, I, I performed, I officiated my first funeral and it was, for a 15-year-old girl who was in our youth group and she 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 died of a tragic illness and we you know I mean I was I was new growing in my faith and we we prayed and we fasted and we anointed her with oil and we had the elders of the church lay hands on her and I honestly believed that she would be healed and uh, be delivered and that just wasn't God's plan and so um from that point on that sort of introduced me to the notion of pain and suffering and how God engages with us during that process about, uh, let's see, about six, four or five years later, Christy's dad, who had uh, struggled with mental health challenges, he, uh, he, he had attempted suicide multiple times previously. But in 1998, on Father's Day, he, uh, uh, he successfully, uh, you know, he was successful in his suicide mm-hmm. attempt. So he took his own life. And we were, you know, we were there and, and you know, and, and cleaned it up and, and was, uh, was there for all of that. And so, the those those some of those experiences, um, you know, they change you a little bit. And at that point, um, we started engaging with people so frequently who were involved in tragedies that we could hardly separate out our own ministry from ministering to people in pain and suffering. And so, but you would time- just show up to you like you would just God would just bring them to your footsteps, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. I mean, God would just bring them to us, and I mean. Before 2011, I had officiated something like 220 
you know, funerals and, and I, yeah. And so, um, and now like in our town, if, if there's some tragedy or some, some bad thing happen or a, a student takes his or her life, uh, someone will definitely message me. I mean, I, I at wow. least know someone who knows someone. And so, uh, that's not a space that I would ever, you know, long to be in or want to be in, but I am, I am comfortable loving people well during hard times. And so we, you know, for us, when Christy was diagnosed in 2007, some of our previous, um, walk, you know, walking with people through pain and suffering, some of all, some of that, uh, prepared us a little more for what we encountered in 2007 when she was diagnosed. Um, and so, yeah. Uh, and it, what, what happened before that with the, like, was it, remind me, it was a, the t- tornado in, in Oklahoma or what was it? Yeah. That- yeah. So Christy was diagnosed in 07. Okay. And then in 2011, we planted a church uh, called Elevate Church. We still pastor there. It's called, it's in Moore, Moore, Oklahoma. Um, and at that, in 2011, her health was, uh, she would have seasons of weakness, but it wasn't, you know, debilitating. So, um, in two, it would, like, it would last like a week or yeah, where she'd be bedridden. Yeah, she would. Yeah, she would stay in bed for a week. She would have dizzy spells, or you know, her eyes would get blurred, various different symptoms. Uh, but she would always recover. And so, around 2012, she had the first long hospital stay that was sort of life changing, where some of the symptoms did not come and go, but they came and stayed. And um, and so then in uh, May of 2013. Uh, tragic, devastating tornado, uh, wrecked our hometown here in Moore. And, you know, Christy and I were in our, in our storm shelter that night and, uh, the neighbors were there with us. And, you know, when we came out of the storm shelter, we found ourselves in, uh, you know, 24 seven disaster relief mode. Everyone in our church either had someone staying with them or they were staying with someone. We had families in our church that lost children and, uh, like you walked out of that and it was like leveled houses. Uh, our neighborhood, no. I walked out of that and our house was untouched, but about a half a mile south of us was destroyed. And wow. then um, maybe about a mile south, I guess. And and so it was, uh, you know, communications were hard. And all of a sudden I'm getting, you know, 75 text messages at once. People looking for loved ones, people from out of town asking, you know, wow. what they can do to help. And of course, we couldn't see anything. My kids, I had five kids and they were in four different places. None of them were at home at the time. And, and, you know, we heard some schools had been hit. And so that just kind of put us right in the middle of it. We're doing disaster recovery and uh, praying for people day and night and hearing stories, uh, stories of, you know, sadness and stories of hope and faith and overcoming. And, and uh, I don't know, honestly, it was as if everything we had done in our lives up until that point, God had prepared us, you know, for that moment. It, we just were in the right place at the right time. And, and, uh, and so we were able to, to love a lot of people really well. Um, that's, yeah. well, yeah, go and ahead. That, you know, so they did a documentary on that called where was God. And so that question has been like a theme in your ministry. Like, right. like, did you find it even, you know, before we get to even like you're dealing with your own marriage and whatnot, and the difficulty there, like, like, is that the first question that people ask when they go through a disaster? Like, where's God? Yeah, I think so. I, I think that the, the difficult question people ask is when bad things happen, you know, they want to know why. You know, why 
why me? Why now? Why this? And uh, how, you know, how is, you know, when is this going to pass? For some, for some people, I mean, everyone, you may not experience an actual physical storm like we had, but everyone experiences storms of life. It's divorce, bankruptcy, child custody, um, different things like that. And so when that happens, we want to know, you know, why is this happening? Or more specifically, where is God in this? And so for me, the question of why, I I have a conviction. I I don't feel comfortable trying to answer the question why, because I, I don't want to presume to know the mind of God with respect to why he would allow some specific instance of suffering. But mm-hmm. I do think we can uh, it's we can find great value in reflecting on the question where is he in this, and uh, and so I th- that's sort of where the title of the documentary came from, and uh, this idea of in the darkness, where do you go to find him, you know, and and uh, in our you know in our modern time, especially here in the West, I think there are a lot of books about you know avoiding pain and suffering or. Um, finding victory over pain and suffering or deliverance from pain and suffering. And I'm definitely, I mean, I definitely pray for deliverance and victory and things like that. But I don't think we talk very much about how to find God when you're in the darkness. I mean, when the storm is still raging and you're in your house and, and, and it's, you know, raining all around you, or for some people, maybe they experience, you know, their greatest pain and suffering. It's, uh, uh, it's internal, maybe mental health challenges, depression, anxiety. And the, the, the problem with those kind of struggles is no one can see, you know, no one seen, can see your heart when your heart, heart is broken. And mm-hmm. so when that happens, the question is, you know, where is God in this? And I think uh, for me, the most important, the most important message I've ever learned in my life is, you know, when the darkness comes, and we ask, during life storms, where is God? The answer is, during life storms, God is always near. Like he's... I want to press you in a little bit on that. I, um, yeah. I feel like this is something that recently have, has come up in my conversations with people. I have a friend who's really dear to me from college who um, had a fallen out of the faith. And I recently sort of trying to explore that a bit, like what motivates people? We've seen now modern day Christians who are, you know, publicly leaving the faith and not whatnot. But specifically, I, her story intrigued me because she says it was in her time of need. It was a, a, a difficult divorce about 20 years ago. And to this day, she can't talk much about it. But she lost faith during that time because she didn't feel God was there for her. So when you talk about this concept like God is near, what motivates some people or what are the elements that make some people feel his nearness more or cling to him or sense his presence versus sort of what she's, which grew up in a Christian home, had made a profession for Christ and sort of been like, man, I don't even feel him here. And so she ends up losing her faith completely to this day. She doesn't believe in, in Christ or Christianity as, as, as it would have been defined by, you know, by the church. And so what, why do you think that is? Yeah, so I think it's a that's the question of all questions. When when we see people in pain and suffering, that there's something about it that that uh, that changes your relationship with God. And we see lots of people who experience pain and suffering problems, deep tragedy, and something within that they run away from the Lord. They uh, you know, but then you see another person who experiences a similar tragedy and they run direct, directly to the feet of Jesus. And so the question becomes, why? Why does one person run away from the Lord during pain and suffering? 
And why does someone else run directly to him? And it, and it almost seems like for every story where someone says, this tragic thing happened to me and I just, I just couldn't see how a loving God would allow that to happen. For every story you hear like that, you, you could hear another story where someone says, you know what, I was in this really dark time and God met me in my darkness. And this is why I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus today. So to me, I, I, I simply say it is a great mystery to me as to why some people run to Jesus and why other people run away from him during the darkness. But what I would encourage your listeners with is this. If you're listening to this, you can definitely run to him instead of running away from him. Even, uh, even if I can't explain exactly why others have made other decisions, you can run to him. Even in your well, and what are the practices that, how do you, how, what does that look like, I guess, to somebody who, whether they've been in the faith or not, like what are simple things, and now maybe bring it to home, like so 2012, Christine takes a bad, you know, course, and then the tornado, and now in the last couple of years, like <clears throat> she's really suffering. So paint us a picture maybe of what um, your life looks like now in terms yeah, of. So, uh, so today I'm, I'm right now, I'm at my dining room table. Um, I'm, I'm. I'm mostly, I'm a 24 seven caregiver. Uh, she, Christy is wheelchair bound, mostly bed bound. She's completely incontinent with respect to her bowels and her bladder. A lot of her bodily functions don't work anymore. Her, you know, she can't sit up on her own. She can't hold her head up for very long on her own. She can't roll over on her own. And there are a lot of challenges with immobility and other medical challenges. So in, in some ways she's becoming increasingly medically fragile. Um, Your mental health is 100%. No, her, she has some pretty significant cognitive challenges now as well. So, uh, so she'll sometimes forget the names of the kids or various things like that. Um, and so she's got quite a few cognitive challenges as well. But she still, she, she has a deep love for Jesus. She loves me greatly. You know, she, she adores us and she loves her dog. I, I hate her dog, but she loves the dog. I'm <laughs> jealous, you know. But, uh, but so she has just a really precious, sweet faith in Jesus. Um, that is, know, I mean, like, like despite all of the stuff with the cognitive stuff, like she still like recognizes who the Lord is, sort yeah. of has a sense of spiritual. So talk, talk a little bit about that. Like what are, how does it display itself? Yeah. So a lot of times I'll, I'll walk into the room and I'll, I'll look over at her and, you know, I'll see her hands in the air and, um, hmm. You know, she'll just be weeping and, and I'll say, are, are you okay? Are you hurting? Do, you know, can I do something for you? And she'll just say, yes, I'm just worshiping my heavenly father. Wow. And so it just is, um, I don't know, legitimately the, the, the weaker she gets, the more she sort of seeks him and the more she clings to him. And it's fascinating yeah. to me that, you know, she may get confused on my kids' names, but she can remember uh, you know, hymns of the faith that she learned, you know, when she was a little girl. And so uh, I think that's, I think all those things are, are fascinating. And for, for me, just her sweetness, her, her joy, her positivity, I, I have in, in being married to her for 27 years, this is, this is, uh, this is not an exaggeration, but I have never heard her say a negative thing about anybody in 27 years, yeah. except for me. And I'm, I'm sure that I have deserved every bit of it, but, uh, she's just really positive. And so, um, you know, she, she doesn't like that it takes, you know, so much effort to care for her, but, um, but yeah, so everything, it, it takes, uh, it takes a lot of effort. There's a lot of work. How long have you guys been in this stage for now? Like of this level of care months or weeks? Um, probably since last July. 
Wow. So last July, she took a turn for the worse last summer and she never really recovered. And then she's just so, slowly sort of declined over the past year. And uh, she's had, you know, in and out of the hospital like yeah, every couple yeah. of months. Or? Yeah, she's spent at least five months in the hospital in the past, out of the past 12 months. And, and it's so, obviously changed your life too. So you're not, are you pastoring now? Like, well, how do you do, how do you balance your life with all of that? Yeah. So I, I still pastor a church um, and the church that I pastor Elevate is the church that I, that we planted. And so most, you know, the church averages about 350 people. It's a community sized church. And, uh, and my staff, most of them are part-time when we have staff meetings, um, you know, I'll, I will, uh, either we'll meet at my house or we'll, you know, we'll meet for zoom calls, video conference calls. Um, so a lot of things are handled by staff, other leaders, you know, some elders on Sundays, my children alternate and they take care of their mom on Sundays so I can go and be the, and be the preacher man. And so, uh, so you guys that, haven't gotten like, um, regular help, like visiting nurses, some like that's, you've made a commitment to just be the ones to care for her or talk, like, how did that decision play out or. Yeah. So we, we do have some help periodically that comes in, but and eventually, uh, eventually we'll be able to get more help on a regular basis here at the house. But, um, but, but right now we have people that come in and out like nurses and stuff. It's very temporary for appointments. Um, it's so overwhelming most, too, isn't it? Like I, my experience, yeah. my dad being sick at the end, like, um, I mean, it's, it's pretty crazy trying to figure out the system too, isn't it? Like in, in addition to all the emotional stuff you're going through, trying to figure out your life, like it's not that easy, is it? Yeah, the legal issues, the social security issues, the insurance issues, and there's always, always they want to battle about things, and so that's just kind of part of it. But, um, but yeah, so I, yeah, that's that's how that's how our lives are. It's expanded, sort of. So, so, so then you started this online world. So, yeah. so what is that like? Sort of like thinking through. Okay, God, I'm gonna be here. Like, 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 how did you land on you know doing so much social media ministry? I guess you could call yeah. it. Yeah, thanks for asking. So, I prior to um, so in August of one August one of two thousand seventeen. Prior to that, I had I had been doing some consulting. I uh, consulted with a church planting network, and then I consulted with a denominational group with respect to their uh, church planting systems. Um, so, you know, processes for uh, recruiting and training church planters, and um, evangelism and and uh, you know, church pl- planting has always been part of what we've done. And so, um, August 1, 2017, I walked away from that and I thought, you know, I need to spend more time at home. And at that time, you know, that was coming up on two years ago, Christy could be left alone maybe for a few hours, but not like for a day. And so I just started spending more time at home. And then, uh, um, and, but I found myself largely in the four walls of my house. And I, I have these three things that, sort of push against me being in my home. Number one, my primary giftedness are, my gifts are mostly in the areas of uh, evangelism and mm-hmm. outreach. Um, and I, another thing is I'm, I'm uh, maybe not as much of an extrovert as you are, but, <laughs> but I'm, I'm definitely an over the top extrovert. You know, I, I talk yeah. to everyone around and, and then the other is I have this entrepreneurial disease. And so I, I, you know, in the past we've started businesses and things like that. So we, uh, you know, on, uh, in 2017, I just said, well, you know, God, what am I supposed to do with this? And we had produced this documentary, the where was God documentary. And, uh, so we had a, 
we had a little bit of a social media following, maybe about 15,000 followers. Mm-hmm. And we just decided, you know what? There are people who are hurting online. There are people who need Jesus online. And so I'm going to figure this out. And so yeah. I started uh, focusing on it, obsessing about it and praying about it. And and um, we started growing, you know, growing our platforms over time, you know, just hard work and learning some things, uh, um, you know, God in God's favor, you know, our, our platforms, we have groups and pages that just now are just under about 6.5 million followers on different platforms. That's and, crazy. And you yeah. just talk about Jesus and God and faith. Yeah. yeah all of them are faith-based, um, you know, different specific niche areas and different parts of the world. And, uh, so like people come into Jesus and growing in. Yeah. yeah all kinds of, men. I mean, Listen, pe- people are online, like people are in the digital space and there's a lot of darkness digitally. I mean, you talk about, you know, online pornography and all kinds of other challenges, all different things, um, you know, Internet gaming and things like that that can uh, enslave people. And so. Uh, so, yeah, we need more lights. You know, we need more light in the darkness. And so. Um, so, yeah, you just think, like you think Christians should do more with social media than they're even like, you know, always we hear, oh, this is destructive comparing what like, it can be such a narcissistic world. But but if, if you could think rightly about it, like, yeah, like it's a lost opportunity so far, like people aren't using it, taking advantage of it. Yeah. yeah like, yeah, people are there. The question is, you know, do do people of faith, you know, do we want to have our voice in the digital space or not? Like the, the things that people have against against the Internet. It's like there's darkness there and bad things happen there. Well, yeah, but there's darkness everywhere. Like don't do the bad things and, you know, be the light that Jesus called you to be because the world is in the digital space. And the only other option is for us to not represent him there. And we need the gospel in every bucket of society. I mean, every just like we need the gospel in every yeah. language and every people. How, do you, group. how would you encourage someone to get started if they wanted to do more? I would say, number one, if, if someone's wanting to do more on social media, number one, uh, stop posting negative stuff. So start, you know, don't don't whine, don't don't put out your dirty laundry, don't put negativity and just start engaging with people on different faith based pages. Go there. Um, you know, when you see someone like look at any faith based page or, you know, look at, uh, at your pages, uh, Lena, yeah. have, your, your listeners should follow your pages. And and like look on there and, and and periodically, if you just watch, if you ask the Holy Spirit to show you to show you needy people, like mm-hmm. I, I believe if you pray, God, help help me to encourage someone today. If you just pray that prayer, I think God will always answer that prayer. And so just go to some page where people are engaging and and look till you see someone who posts something discouraging or something mm-hmm. like that. Just just encourage them and just say, hey, Susan, I saw you post this. I just prayed for you in the name of Jesus. I mean, just uh, something like that, just this, that simple. Um, if you're, if you're more bold, you know, you could go live on your personal page and just say, Hey guys, um, you know, this is, uh, this is Steven. I just wanted to take 10 minutes and I just want to pray for anybody. If you have any needs, I'll pray for you right now. I mean, if you're bold, you can do that, but you don't have to do that. Um, so I would just say represent Jesus well. And, and the culture of social media, if you want to represent Jesus well, social media, uh, this is super important. What I'm about to say. It is not the place to debate theology. It's not the place to uh, argue with people. It's not the place to be a watchdog and correct different ministries. Social media is a space where you need to be kind, considerate, compassionate, reflect the good things about Jesus, and save those hard conversations for uh, you know private private discussions. And so, um, I think 
I think yeah. that's probably the biggest mistake of the modern day church right now in the United States is that I don't think as a general rule that has caught on. I think that we think it's our job to evangelize by debating issues. I really think that's the heart of the anger that you see. And now the division among Christians and in, in social media will become almost a ridicule in that people, you know, just sort of look at it as what a joke, like you're just another conservative or you're just another progressive, blah, blah, blah. Absolutely. People very quickly put you into categories. And instead, if we, I mean, the, the question becomes, you know, Christian, modern Christian, the question becomes, do you want to win arguments or do you want to win people? Because a lot of times you can't do both. And I think we're called to win people and let the Holy Spirit do the hard work of, of transforming their hearts. And uh, that happens over time. But uh, so your yeah. most popular page, like if somebody was going to go and, and apply what you just said, where was God would be the most popular Facebook page? Would that be like where they should land? Yeah, definitely. Our where was God page on uh, on Facebook, our largest page, uh, the well that I that we personally own is called Where Was God. And definitely follow us there. If you follow us there, you will definitely find people there who, you know, who are hurting. I mean, just follow the comments and uh, and just pop in there and say, hey, uh, I just I just prayed for you. And that that can really change things. So yeah. uh, or send us a message there if you want to do more digital ministry. We'd love to get you plugged that's, in. That's a thing, huh? Digital ministry. I think that's uh, I like yeah. I don't know if you coined that term or what, but I, I've not heard it said like that. And I think it's that's exactly right. I think like if you start thinking about it as a ministry yeah. and as opposed to just being all over the place, that's encouraging. I want to I want to come back to talking about Christia though, in, in this context. I mean, you guys have been I've seen a lot of Facebook lives that you've done with her and from the hospital room. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you've shared this journey. You feel like I feel like obviously that brings you like that just breaks down so many barriers with people, doesn't it? Like talk about how that's progressed into that. Yeah. So we've been pretty open about our journey. And uh, sometimes I've been, I've, you know, I might, I might share too much at some time, you know, sometimes, but um, it's been part of, I mean, it's part of our personal journey. It's part of our spiritual walk. Um, God has used Christie's health as the number one tool in transforming my inner life. So huh. the, talk you know, about that a bit. Yeah. So it, there's something about, you, you know, when you're walking through difficulty, it's, it's like you get to know a different part of the Lord. I mean, you, you know, it's for, for those listeners who, who, you know, were single at one time and then got married, there's something that changes. You, you understand something, a, a new layer of relationships. It's not that you love deeper. It's, it's that you understand something differently. And it's similar with having kids, like when you've never had a child and then you have a child or so I think pain and suffering, it's similar to that. It's like when you experience the first time you lose someone that's very close to you, it changes something in you. And you can understand a little bit more about the Heavenly Father's compassion and his love for us and understanding more, you know, in, in, in Peter's uh, in first Peter, Peter describes the gospel as the sufferings of Christ and the glories that will follow. Hmm. And somehow I think the more deeply we mourn and the more we experience sadness and loss, I, I think somehow the Holy Spirit uh, supernaturally walks with us that much closer. Hmm. Psalm 34, 18 says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Hmm. And so if God is near to the brokenhearted, 
then I think, you know, I have a conviction that we are, are, are never more near to God than we're walk than when we are walking, uh, with the brokenhearted. And so, uh, it's, yeah, it's just become a, it's just become an emotional, uh, an emotional and spiritual tool to sort of develop our, our inner lives. Um, you know, when you're, when you're mourning, I mean, you know, we, we mourn the loss of things. Now our, our home, if you, if you watch many of our live feeds or if you've ever been in our home, you know, our, our home is filled with laughter and joy. And I'm, you know, I'm always picking on Christy and, you know, making jokes with her and she's laughing and things like this. So our, our homes and our hearts are filled with joy, but there is sort of, um, you know, an underlying sadness. I mean, it's just sort of an abiding sadness that you take with you. I, you know, I mourn the loss. I, I mourn the progressive loss of our shared memories. Mm. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a loss. And so, um, I think part of growing in Christ is learning that, you know, when, when you're a child, you think, um, well, I'm, I'm going to be happy or sad. I'm, you know, I'm going to be angry or glad. Um, but when you become an adult, you start to realize that you can experience joy and sadness both at the same time. And, uh, and this is what we see. I, we, we see this in, in God's word. Uh, the Psalms are really rich. I mean, I think the Psalms, um, a lot of times the Psalms plumb the depths of human emotions. I mean, literally every human emotion you can experience, um, one of the Psalms deals with it in some way. And you can see how these godly, you know, these godly people who who penned these psalms, you can see how they talked with God and engaged with God, even when they're in their brokenness. Um, I um, so Psalm one thirty nine is my is my favorite psalm, and I've clung to it for a number of years. And this was written. Um, I don't want to go to like into Bible study mode here, but. Uh, so feel free to interrupt me, but no, I like it. Uh, so Psalm one thirty nine was written by it was a psalm of David, and most scholars suggest that um, Psalm one thirty nine was written very late in David's life. And so think about David, who uh, was a man of suffering. I mean, he experienced the tragic loss of his uh, infant son at one point. Uh, Another point, David had a son who raped his daughter, and then he had another son who killed that son, and then one of David's best friends, you know, killed that son. And so it's like this tragic life. And late in David's life, he's writing this 139th Psalm. And uh, and uh, and so, I, and when I imagine this, when I I just want to read a short section of it because it just speaks to my heart. And in the darkness, it speaks to my heart even more. But when I read this, what I read, you know, what what I see is that when you get to the fork in the road or when you get to the the dead end of the of the street and you get there and you don't know where to turn. You look up Mm. and you find out that God was there all along Mm. and that he was waiting for you right in that place. So I think that is something about pain and suffering that. When you earnestly seek him, you will always find him. Mm. And, and, uh, and not only will you find him, but you will find him many times in the most intimate of ways. Let me just read this, what David yeah. wrote. Uh, verse 7, David writes, Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? 
If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I live at the eastern horizon or settle at the western limits, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light around me will be made night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. I just... I just think that in the darkness, and for any of your listeners, if you are li- if you are walking through darkness right now, I know there are some life storms you can experience, and you just sort of hold tight until they pass. But there are some of you who have experienced some sort of darkness, some sort of storm, and you're not even sure if the storm is going to pass even right now. Like you're wondering right now if it's ever going to pass. And what I would say to you in the name of Jesus is that your heavenly Father will meet you right where you are, right in that darkness, even at the darkest, most difficult point in your pain. And his Holy Spirit can whisper things in your ear that are so intimate you you never knew you could experience if you had not walked down this dark road. And so I would just encourage you guys in the name of Jesus. And the next time you walk through darkness, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit will bring this to mind from Psalm 139. Uh, and then it will just uh, bring some some encouragement to your soul. How do you keep from just being envious in in a sense of other people whose marital life seems, you know, abounding and you're you're faithful, you're obedient, you're, you know, you're a pastor, for goodness sakes, you've raised a godly family, you've tried to make the decisions, you know, this sort of idea that I've done my part, like, how do you keep from envy and discontent uh, in a sense? Yeah, so I, I don't think I've experienced envy and I not in I'm not regarding this, and I and I have not also, and I know everybody mourns differently, right? So mm-hmm. so people experience all kinds of negative emotions. A lot of people experience anger when they have pain and suffering. We haven't experienced. I I I don't think I've experienced anger either. But what I have experienced is a lot of just sadness, a lot of brokenness. Right. And I I believe you know when you ask the question, how do you feel content? Here's here's the thing. We were designed for for Jesus to fulfill every desire and every longing in our heart. And the thing is, if if I want to to have my physical health, if that's what I long for, if that's the thing that's going to make me happy, if that's the thing that I'm living for, that that sort of becomes an idol. That sort of becomes this thing that I worship. Hmm. The reality is having your health that does not automatically make you healthy or having your career or your finances, whatever it is. So the thing is this, anytime that we seek anything for happiness or wholeness or fulfillment, fulfillment or abundance, um, all of those things are all going to fall short. The only way our hearts can ever be satisfied is if, is if Jesus is legitimately all that we long for. And in moments, you know, I don't want to put on like, like we're all about Jesus all the time, but I, but I would say in all honesty, just after being broken, like we just want to, we want, we want to honor God. And in the meantime, we want to, we, we want to love people. And that gives us a great sense of fulfillment and purpose and abundance. And I, what I'm going to say next is, uh, 
I hesitate to say it sometimes because I have to explain it a little bit, but I'm, I'm 44, but I'm, I am legitimately ready to see Jesus. I, I do not mean that I want to die. I'm definitely not suicidal. It's nothing like that. (laughs) Just that I, I'm so aware that this life is going to have struggles and challenges and and I'm, I mean, I'm ready. I'm ready to see Jesus. I, I long to see his face. Um, but listen, every minute that the Heavenly Father allows us to be here on, in this earth, like we want to push back the darkness, like we want to be involved in what God is doing. And if it can't be, you know, walking around, then it's going to be on social media. And if it can't be, if it can't be by, you know, helping people in our strength, and it's going to be by encouraging people in our weakness. And we just want to be used by God. I want, I want to honor God. I want to love people. And my prayer, my greatest prayer is, you know, if I worry about anything, it is, I, I worry about, you know, I pray that God will shepherd the hearts of my kids. Yeah. You know, I was going to ask about that. Like, how do you, yeah. How have, how has fathering them changed? Like, I'm sure they deal with this differently. Like you've just learned how to, much to talk about the situation versus, you know, how much, you know, you don't want to bear the burden of caring for your mom. On the other hand, you need help. Like, how have you navigated that? Yeah, it's really, really hard. I mean, it's, that is the most difficult thing that I've done. And that's the most difficult question to answer. I, I, I try to seek the Lord. I try to submit it to him. I try to not lean too heavily into my kids. Um, and I, I, pray deeply that God will shepherd their hearts because, you know, after about probably 2010, I mean, in many ways, I largely became a single parent in many of the parenting responsibilities, you know, so like my youngest daughter, you know, when she went through adolescence and, you know, the female changes and all this kind of stuff, I mean, she didn't have her mom really, you know, that, uh, and so these kind of challenges, um, I just have to submit it. I just have to submit it to Jesus, knowing that he loves my kids Mm. more than I do. And I just have to trust him with that. And um, yeah, there's really no good answer besides that, because they're going to have to they're going to have to seek him in their own darkness. They're going to have to seek him in their own sadness. Um, And I, I can't do it for them. And that's a really difficult thing for me as a dad. Have you felt um, help from your church community? Like, like right now you're the pastor, of course, but like people are so mixed about church. Some people think it's useless in their life and others see the, the importance of it that, you know, and God's, you know, love in providing local church for us. But like, how has the church ministered to you guys in this time? Yeah, the church has been great. Um, a lot of times they don't know, you know, what to do, but they've, they've been uh, helpful to us. A lot of people have volunteered to help and, you know, she requires some, you know, some extremely personal care and a lot of it. And so um, it's hard for a lot of people to actually come over and be helpful, but they've been a great encouragement. You know, we get cards and things like that from people all the time. So they've just, they've just loved us really well. We've, we've felt great affirmation from our church body. And in terms of ministry, I mean, like, you know, when I was 28 years old and uh, you know, I might have a small group of guys and let's here, let's talk about marriage and how to treat your wives. And, you know, they'd be messing around and whatever. But now when I have a group, you know, we have college students that come to my house every Friday night for a small group and, and, you know, I'll get Christy propped up in her wheelchair and seat belted in so she doesn't fall over. And, 
And, you know, when I talk about love and marriage, they're not fidgeting around. It's sort of like they're leaning in, they're listening better. And so in many ways, what we're experiencing, you know, it's sort of like God gives us a megaphone, you know, on some topics uh, that we wouldn't have had access to before. And I mean, what, what if, what if the reason like that God has allowed this, I mean, what, what if the reason for that is, is that someone will hear me talking about loving my wife and, and one, and like the, the right person hears that and he or she just has a life changing experience or, you know, could submits their, you know, his or her heart to Jesus. I mean, like, what if the reason is that we're supposed to inspire some single individual person that's raised up to do something for the Lord? I mean, it like, is that okay with me? If the most important thing that I ever do in my life is not what we do, but who we raise, is that okay with me? I would say a thousand times. Yes. What are your hopes and prayers for the future? For the future? I, I just, I just, it's the same. I just want to continue. I want to honor God. I want to love uh, my precious bride and uh, I want to serve her. I, I really, you know, I, I want to spend the rest of my life being her hero and loving and caring for her. And my most important, my most important act of worship to Jesus is caring for her. And so, um, I, I don't know if you, are you familiar with practicing the presence of God by yeah, the, brother? Lord? Yep. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, I, I focus on practicing the presence of God a lot when I'm caring for her, you know, when I'm doing cleaning up messes or doing very personal things for her. I just, I just imagine I'm worshiping Jesus in that moment. I'm submit, I'm cleaning up this mess for Jesus. This is, this is Jesus's mess. These are Jesus's feet. This wound here, this is the wound of Jesus and I'm, and I'm cleaning it and it, it becomes an act of worship. And so uh, we just want to honor God. I want to, I want to serve her the rest of my life. And uh, that's, yeah, that's really what I want. Man, Pastor Steve, you are a godly man, and we have we're really. Uh, I'm so touched by this podcast. I, uh, but I tell you, the image. I, I just am thinking about like even this idea of people who are suffering, and the image of you know. I think there's a sense while well, I'm doing this for the Lord, and I now I have a social media ministry and whatnot. But the image that I have ingrained um, after this podcast is even Christy in the bed her hands lifted. She can barely do anything else. And you can think like, what more can she do in life? And yet that is giving God glory, singing worship songs, worshiping Jesus, whether her body works or not. I mean, I mean, like it doesn't matter what we do for the Lord. There's this life that is just so inspiring. And I think you both are doing it. And I just, um, I love you both. And um, just grateful to be part of your journey in a very minimal way. So thank you for your time here. Yeah, we love you, and you're a bigger part of our journey than you realize. So, hey, a quick note. Can I just share something with you? I want to share something with you. I So last November, I probably told you part of this at least, but the week before Thanksgiving, we were, uh, you know, I, I was having a really long week. I was praying. I was working my message, and and uh, I I'd finally kind of come to some conclusions on on a message for Sunday, and and a lot of my preaching, you know, just comes out of my personal devotional time, you know, because my time's limited. And so, uh, but on Friday is when I saw, you know, and I had followed you on social media for a while. And I think we'd engaged a little bit and I'd shared some uh, sermon clips of yours. I love your preaching and teaching. And so I, uh, 
I, I saw I saw a clip, something that said you were in Oklahoma City. And I was like, what in the world? She's in Oklahoma City. It's on a Friday. And so I reached out and uh, you graciously agreed to come preach at our church, which was a huge blessing. And uh, I don't think at that time, I don't think that you knew really about our circumstances. I'm, I'm not sure entirely, but the, but you being available was a huge blessing. But then on Sunday, your message, the, the title of your message was, where's my miracle? And your message had to do with, you know, we serve people, we love people, we minister to people. But then when our miracle doesn't come, I mean, we pray for people to be healed and we see people healed. But then our healing doesn't come. And I just, for me, that Sunday, that was just one example of the Heavenly Father looking at me and sending His Holy Spirit and saying in my ear, Stephen and Christy, I see you. I love you. I care about you. And so those kind of things are the things that that make up our entire lives. Just God acknowledging us and seeing us. And so, anyway, I just awesome. want to say, well, I, I love to doing it. I'm coming back to Oklahoma next spring, I think. So we'll have to reconnect. And uh, yeah, you got to come preach for us. I love it. I love it. Listen, um, how can people reach you? Uh, best way to reach me is uh, either on Facebook at Where Was God, or they can go to uh, Instagram. And on Instagram, I have Insta Scripture. And well, those are, nice, by the way, that's an awesome site. It's encouraging yeah. me. I mean, you, you're doing so much. It's just is amazing. Uh, you guys got to follow that. And uh, uh, if you want to send Stephen a message, uh, I, yeah, I can probably direct you guys to his email. So send me an email at lena at livingwithpower.org. Um, you've given us so much to think about, so much. And we're so grateful for the time. I'm so honored by being involved in this. So thanks for your ministry. Thanks for this great podcast. Love you and your wife and family and watching your daughter just do her own ministry now. And it's just awesome. Hey guys, if you're wondering if God is alive, he is. If he loves you, he does. And if you uh, are at your wit's end, go to Psalm 139, read it and believe it. I know that we're praying for you and uh, we will be back together in the next podcast. In the meantime, check out livingwithpower.org. Plenty of encouraging biblical resources for you. Have a great day.